Hello, Trash Crusaders. Welcome to episode 20 of Save Trash Cinema, the podcast where exploitation and exploration come together. It is I, your humble host, your guide through trash cinema, and your favorite dumpster boy, Game and Darty. And on today's episode, we're looking death directly in the eye, telling him we all have anxiety and depression, so his threats are completely useless against us, and testing fate when we cover the resurgence of trash cinema in the 2000s film. Final Destination. But before we get to that, let me introduce you to the chorus of voices you'll be hearing on this episode, starting off with the booty, booty, booty that is rocking everywhere. See that topical 2000s reference, guys? I did it. I did it. That boy right there, that's going to be Patrick Schweigert. I believe, uh, I I wanted to say two things. I believe it is uh, booty, 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 booty rocking in a well. In a well. I believe is the actual quote. Look it up. And uh, in the doc, you have my name spelled as Schwiegert. (laughs) So I would like to be referred to as Patrick Schwiegert today. You know, it's not the first time I've fucked someone's name up on this uh, on an episode before. So we're rocking that out and I'm leaving that one in. Uh, But next up is honestly the only reason Patrick and I have remained friends for so long. You might call her his better half. The foundation upon which his existence rests. My personal friend and Patrick's wife. Rose motherfucking Alexander. Whoa. Hello, everybody. Um, excited to be here. Excited to hang out with my friends. Talk about a movie that I have watched probably 150 times in my life. Mm-hmm. So let's well, do this. We are happy you're here. And guess what? We've got a fourth chair tonight. So last but not least is someone who needs no introduction, mainly because she set the world ablaze in Netflix's Teenage Bounty Hunters as April Stevens and potentially more importantly, champion both boobs, bush and beavers on our Zombie Beavers episode, Devin Hales. Hey, how y'all doing? <laughs> hey, Devin. Devin. Thank you for joining us. Um, happy to be here. Happy to be here. I am on the opposite side of the spectrum from Rose. This was my first watch of the Final Destination uh, universe. Wow. So, yeah, here we are. The happy FDCU, the Final the Destination FDCU. Cinematic Universe. <laughs> love it. Ooh, yeah. I love oh, it. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. before we jump in, let's do a little quick housekeeping. We'd love it if you rate and review the podcast on your podcast app of choice. Don't forget you can be on the show by submitting movie recommendations or by being a guest host by emailing us at savetrashcinemagmail.com or you can DM us on Twitter or Instagram at Save Trash Cinema as well. Make sure to check out last week's inaugural episode of Trash or Pass, the best and only trash cinema game show in existence. We'll be continuing to release mini shows, crossover episodes, and interviews periodically. So keep your eyes for some exciting content coming down the pipeline. All right. Enough housekeeping. Let's fucking do this. Mm. Let's get on with the show. A little Ooh. overview of. Final destination. Shh. Please. You'll wake the dead. Final Destination is a 2000s horror film directed by James Wong and written by Wong, Glenn Morgan, and Jeffrey Reddick. Glenn Morgan is best known for writing 30 episodes of 21 Jump Street, Black Xmas, Crispin Glover's Willard, and the trash cinema classic Trick or Treat. 
whereas Jeffrey Roderick is best known as the writer on, and I, I'm not even joking, every single Final Destination film. Uh, can I can I jump in, please? Damon. Growing up mm-hmm. at my parents' house in West oh, Park, I know. Georgia. Oh, I know. In my parents' basement, my dad mm-hmm. had a. I, I'm talking six by four, maybe a six foot by four foot poster of Crispin Glover's Willard. Just Crispin Glover's massive face with a little rat coming at him. You know, I literally put this in the dock just so that you could tell that story. Great. You when read I me saw like that, when I saw that, I was like, I distinctly remember your father's Willard poster being uh-huh. as a child being like, what the fuck is this? And then I saw <laughs> it later and I was like, why would you have this as a poster? Truly, in your basement? I still don't understand it as a 30 year old right now. Why my dad had a Willard. And it wasn't just like a piece of paper poster. It was like one of those really thick, you're a blockbuster and they have those like inch thick posters that are like up like in the window and yeah. you could fucking kill somebody with them. Was it, was it, one it, of those. Gl- was it Does glossy? He still- it was glossy. Yeah. Was it like Does shaped still like have a it? person? Uh, well, it, it wasn't shaped. It wasn't like a, like a cardboard cutout of Crispin. Uh, it was just like the poster, uh, like the movie poster, just as a giant uh cardboard thing and yes he does still have it in his basement next to the iron man with his fist out i think we need to ask chris for some photo evidence and also next to lord of the rings can he can he donate it to save tri cinema as like an homage yeah i bet he would all right i I agree we need a a picture for the gram well Moving on to the director, it's going to be James Wong, who, on the other hand, is best known for directing Jet Li's The One. Great movie. A real bad movie. Some might say a god-awful movie. Some might say an absolute fucking dumpster fire of a movie, known only as Dragon Ball Evolution. Oh, yeah, that movie's really bad. The One, though. The One was The One. Great film. Dragon Ball Evolution is a fucking horrible film. Yeah. Now, speaking of other horrible films, the story goes as such. Alex Browning, played by Devin Sawa, is among a group of high school friends readying themselves for a trip to Europe when he suddenly has a premonition on their airplane uh, that the plane will crash. He screams to warn the others, but instead is thrown off of the plane along with a handful of other students. But the plane does actually crash when he gets off. Weeks later, one of the survivors mysteriously dies, and Alex realized that things just got more complex. Mm. The film stars Devin Sawa from SLC Punk, Casper, and the trash cinema masterpiece Idle Hands, Ali Larder from Varsity Blues, House on Haunted Hill, and Legally Blonde, Kara Smith from Dawson's Creek, and the My Bloody Valentine reboot. We're bringing all of this back to mm. you guys. Mm. Sean William Scott from American Pie and all the other American Pie films. You'll probably best know him as Stifler. And last but not least, Candyman himself, Tony fucking Todd. So Idle Hands counts as trash cinema? Oh, yeah. Fuck, why haven't we watched Idle Hands on this podcast? Oh, it's it's, it's on my list of movies to do in the next few months. All right. We'll get there. I just I texted my dad just now. Do you still have the Willard poster? He says, I think you want to buy it. <laughs> yes. yes. Call it a wedding present. Now, I do want to point out a little quick piece of trivia here. The original casting choice for, for Alex, who's played by Devin Sawa, and Clear Fucking River, 
who's played by Allie Larder, were originally going to be cast as Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst. <gasps> what? However, they turned down the films because they'd be starring together in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. They came out only a year later, as well as Spider-Man and Mary Jane, respectively. Which they picked the right franchise to be a part of. That's yeah, for sure. sure. I'm not saying that Devin saw his career... Okay, you know what? We're moving on. The film runs for an hour and 38 minutes and has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 35%. The film is only streaming through the Stars channel. Honestly, I didn't even realize Stars still existed until today. But hey, guess what? You can rent the film through a variety of outlets or you can purchase the five film box set off of Amazon for around $20, which is what I obviously did. Okay, uh, that's speaking, a steal. It is a steal. And here you buy now, get ready for the next four episodes. Hell yeah. Oh, next four episodes, Patrick? Because speaking of box sets, you heard that correctly, Final Destination spurned off four sequels. And as of this recording, and take this with a grain of salt, there is a sixth film in the series on the way. And it will be released on hbo max so so we'll see if it happens <laughs> so we know, yeah there's just a fucking toss up at this point well and i just want to point out it's not uh it's not four sequels it's three sequels and a prequel oh my god rose you just spoiled it. it for the audience cut, cut it, it cut, cut it. it we're cutting it we're cutting is it. that a spoiler <clears throat> i mean shit at this point who just, cares just cut it get it out <laughs> no, of here fuck that we're leaving so it start over start the whole thing start over. from the top start from the top have they announced like casting or director or anything for this? Um, no, Patrick, don't laugh. That's not actually. Why. It's funny you say that because Jeffrey Reddick just came out a couple months ago and was like, "Yes, I'm writing this next movie. It'll be completely different. It is a full fledged reboot." And I want to say that they did indeed uh, announce who the um, who's going to be starring as or who's going to be directing and. Let's see if they have it listed. Nothing yet. Okay, sorry. So maybe they don't have anyone as of yet, but uh, it, uh, it it's apparently going to be full of a bunch of weird-ass people, though. So, and Tony Todd's coming back for it. We do know that. He's already let's said he's, he's already back. So let's go. There we go. But let's talk about the film that is currently in our hands and not one that's coming out in the future. With the overview out of the way, let's take some time to discuss some initial thoughts. I'm going to start off with you, Patrick. I want you to tell me, going in... The Final Destination. We all grew up with this movie. Devin apparently never saw this before. No. So you tell me, because you're the one that wanted to do it. So tell me what you thought. Tell me, just just start throwing them at me. Throw your thoughts. So, sure, sure. Thank you. Thank, first of all, thank you for having me on today's show. Sure. Uh, this came on TV, what, three weeks ago? And it was on, like, fucking TBS or whatever. And we're both, Rose and I, are just remembering how great of a film this is how many memories it's bringing back mm. you know we're, we're in the theater not together we didn't know each other then <laughs> we're watching this movie. we got our popcorn we got our snow caps we got our junior mints and we're just about to go on a ride for the next several years with the final destination franchise and i hadn't thought about it in probably a decade uh and so i immediately texted you and i said came and can we do final destination devin rose want to do it on the podcast and you were like yes mm. Uh, so I was really excited to revisit it because that day we only, I only watched, I think Rose watched more. I only watched like 10 minutes of it, but I was thrilled to be back with Devin, not Hales, Sawa. I am always thrilled to be with Devin Hales, but in this moment I was thrilled to be with Devin Sawa, uh, and clear. I was really excited to be with clear. Claire. Clear. Uh, so yeah, I was, 
I didn't know what to expect. Like it, it, this is one of those, it's in the time frame where I, I remember loving it so much that it could end up being complete and utter horseshit, or it could still be a 10 out of 10. Which one does it come to be? You'll find out in about an hour. Yes. I guess we'll find out now, Rose, you're the resident expert on all things, final destination. So why don't you go ahead and give the audience your initial thoughts or I guess you're just your overarching thoughts on what you think about Final Destination as a whole. Awesome. So I was a bit of a dark child. Um, I really liked horror movies and just anything spooky. Not much has changed. Um, but uh, like when I was in middle school, my sister had uh, the ring on her computer. Like she downloaded it off LimeWire uh, and she was like, you can't watch it. It's too scary. And so I was like, bet and I went and I <laughs> went in her room while she was gone sorry Janine if you're listening and I pulled up the ring and while it's like raining and gloomy outside it's evening in the fall uh spooky time and everything you know through watching the movie it gets super dark like I that was my jam I just wanted to be scared all the time and I specifically loved these movies especially like early high school uh I have just always really uh, enjoyed how creative and existential it is. Uh, it's not too sentimental about death. It kind of just like throws it all out there. And I feel like I love that bluntness, mm. you know, and mm. I think it, it takes you on a, a fun and interesting ride. Um, I don't know if other people would say fun, but um, that's just how I feel. All right. Well, thank you, Rose. Now, Devin, you're the one who never saw Final Destination before recording this episode. So I'm very curious, your initial thoughts getting into the film, like what were you expecting from a movie that spurned off many, many sequels? Yeah, these were not even really in my orbit. I think the only thing that I knew about Final Destination was sort of the infamous uh, shot of the, the logs in the truck, mm -hmm. which apparently is not... Uh, from this one. Um, but yeah, I was excited. Uh, I did not expect um, death to be so, um, I don't know, not personified because it's not a person, but it's like a lot, it's alive. It's an actual force and you see it so many times in the movie. It's like in the water, in the shower or, Ooh, the wind is, is the evil is Ooh. death. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I don't know. I knew that death was, you know, coming for them all as it comes for all of us. But, right. um, yeah, I, I guess I didn't expect it to be so active in its pursuits. Mm. Um, yeah, I also knew that Devin Sawa was the moment, but he was a little slightly before my time. So excited to see what all the, the fuss was about. And, um, yeah, I... Look, I'm older now, so it's different. It's different, but um, yeah, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy for the girls. I'm happy for the children. I <laughs> I forgot how important. I forgot how ubiquitous the spike hair was. Oh yeah, in the, the 2000s, we all had it. Yeah, chokehold on yeah. America. Yeah, and I for Devin it. Sawa to have the spike in this movie, I. Oh, I was, I felt home. 
Yeah. I mean, for me, like Final Destination is one of those franchises where I look back very fondly on them. I definitely think they started tapering off towards the end. They got a little bit more wild, which I still enjoy that. Uh, but to your point, Devin, the, the log scene is the I think a lot of people think that this, this is the movie with the locks. Like that's every what everyone remembers is that one scene. So this is different. So I got back in. It's probably the first time I watched it in several years and just was like, God damn, what a time capsule. This comes. This is pre 2011. This is 2000. This is before 9-11. There's a lot of questions I have about like how security like I now understand how we have 9-11. Because this movie, the security whole thing is just fucking ridiculous. And so, but it is a time capsule. Also, I really think we should start bringing back cargo pants. Cargo pants and bowling shirts need to come back in full force. I mean, a lot of storage. A lot of storage. storage. Yeah. I don't know what the kind where you can like unzip on like at the knee and they can become cargo shorts. Oh, yeah. I had those as a kid. Bro, I wore so many of those as a kid. I got grounded one time because my mom was like, it's too cold. You got to wear your pants all day. What she didn't realize when I got on the bus, zip, zip, took zip, the bottom zip, of the legs bitch. off, took yeah. the bottom of the legs off. You know what I forgot to do? Put them back on because they were notoriously difficult to put back on. So mm-hmm. I got home. I'm in shorts. My mom, fucking furious, just shut that shit down right there. You but, died that day. You were killed that day. To that point, though, if we brought it back, I could just picture it now. I've got enough pockets. I got a pocket full of raisins. I've got a pocket full of carrots in the other pocket, and I'm just snacking all day. I'm healthy for once. I would be healthy if we had cargo pants again. You were one of those weirdos <laughs> with a pocket full of raisins, weren't you? Maybe just I some, was. Some warm raisins. Maybe I was, but guess well, what? We'll never find out because we're going on to the show. Final destination, everyone. I got this feeling. Weird feeling. The cabin starts to shake, right? And, and the, the left side blows up, and then the whole plane just explodes. The plane's gonna explode! It's not a joke! It's not a joke! We get thrown off the plane all because Brownie has a bad dream? I saw it. The plane! It's gonna blow up! It's gonna blow up! Devin Sawa is at home getting packed for his school trip to France. He's superstitious about flying. It's nighttime now, and apparently left open a window or some spooky shit's gonna happen because there's a wicked draft coming through. We cut to the airport, and all these super cool and way too old children are about to board a plane. Okay. I don't know if it's ambivalent of the time. Do they still do this? I don't really watch a lot of like younger movies. I don't know. But like what these these kids are all like in their fucking 30s. Absolutely. They were all of them 30s. I mean, no, no doubt about it. 90210 famously was one of the first shows that like everyone in that cast was old enough to have been doing cocaine for a long time <laughs> and definitely not in high school. And I think because it worked so well, they were like, let's just get old people. We don't have to get high schoolers. Um, hey, Patrick, what is the uh, legal age for cocaine? Uh, I think the legal age for cocaine is 18. Mm, okay, mm. okay. At least it was in the 90s. In I don't know 90s. if the laws have changed. I don't know. It was, it was cocaine is big in the 90s. I always thought it was like ecstasy. 
Like all the kids were were doing X. The rave I scene. I could call someone older than us if during the show if you want me to, but I'm not totally sure. Uh, I do want to mention though, there is in this uh, waiting room. What do you call it when you're waiting to get on the plane? It's not the waiting room. The, it's the um, gate. The, the gate. Yeah. The gate. Doc, I don't fucking know. This guy is just speaking so intently about taking a shit before the flight. He's like, you have to go take a shit. If you don't take a shit, the girls are going to be important, though, to the story. Sure, I guess. But I don't know. And and he wants them to shit together. He really wants to shit with his friend. We're getting there. We're getting there. I'm jumping ahead. I'm sorry. So Devin Sawa, he's then harassed by some weirdo cult dude, which I found out later while doing research, is actually a cult member from Harishni Krishna. So that, that not explained. What's, not explained. It's ab- apparently some like doomsday cult or something. Oh. Yeah. So he gets harassed by this guy. Then this super hot teacher, like super hot teacher, walks up and is like, net, 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 not happening. Get the fuck out. Immediately after, Sawa starts seeing some weird shit. And his luggage tag has the title of the film literally written on it. It says Final Destination. Should which at that point, Roll credits. The movie's done. <laughs> this is how you're supposed to finish a movie, not give it to me in the first five minutes, right? But I do love that this is also how the 2000s films worked, was they were so on the nose about everything. Mm-hmm. We then cut to what you mentioned previously about the nice little chat about taking a massive shit <laughs> before boarding the plane, which to the point I think you guys were making, that's the best way to do it. You don't want to take a shit on a plane. Like, could you imagine just having like massive fucking diarrhea and you're on a plane? I mean, if you have massive diarrhea going into an international flight, that is surely a different conversation than this man just being like, hey, you got to go take a shit. I mean, they both obviously took a shit. We get a a top down shot of them sitting on the toilet together. We Mm -hmm. sure do. Yeah. (laughs) Which honestly, two bros just taking a shit together. There's nothing. What's better better than than this? Six feet of. Six feet apart because it's not gay. Yeah. It's absolutely not gay. Just two bros shitting together. Yeah. (laughs) Now, it's also important to point out that there is a storm outside of the airport. I don't think planes fly in storms, do they? It depends on the severity of the storm. As a pilot, (laughs) (laughs) a little rain never hurt nobody. But when there starts being lightning, I think that's when it starts to become a problem. I mean, there was lightning, though. Yeah, right, right. So, like, I, I think if I reference my pilot's handbook, I don't believe that they would be flying with lightning happening. I mean, but they're just, okay, you know what? We're moving on. We're moving on. I don't want to get hung up here because I've got a lot of questions about some other shit. They all board the plane. And then the plane takes off. We get a little bit of turbulence, but nothing bad. Then all of a sudden, everything turns to shit. Mm-hmm. The plane rips open. Kids are sucked out. Someone's on fire. There's just one scene where there's just a whole seven buckets of blood just gets shot up in the air. Who is that from? I don't know. Is it logical? Makes no sense. Then the plane fucking ick explodes. Roll credits. That's the end of the movie. Yeah. Seven minutes long. I one thought of the so. Short films. As a first time viewer, I was like, oh shit. It's all going down ASAP. It's happening right now. We're just just dead. I do love this scene when the plane does explode because Devin Sawa's face literally gets melted off. Yeah. Just clean skull getting shown. 
I also really cool. I, I do want to take a moment to comment on the fact that Sean William Scott enters the plane in the 2000s alternate jersey for the New York Rangers, which is, is a pretty deep cut for hockey fans. So for all you Rangers fans out there, how about that? For all how those hockey that? fans out there, all seven of you, I about that? really <laughs> like that deep. Cut. How, how, how do you, how, how about we connect this back to Chris, my, my father, <laughs> he had <laughs> a 2000s, New York Rangers alternate jersey with Wayne Gretzky's name on the back. How about that? I'll Does ask him still for a have picture. It? Does he still have it? <laughs> I've, I've already asked him for the Willard picture. He has not responded after to asking me if I wanted to buy it. But I'll see. I said yes. I said yes. And then I also said, wait, hold on a second. Maybe make that a wedding present. Because, you know, sure. I'm a little broke right now. I am paying for a wedding. And, oh, and a Willard poster would really run you pretty yeah, especially like if it's a, six feet tall. PC <laughs> sponsorship situation. Mm. Yeah, we just get a, a alternate Rangers jersey to Willard posters when we get. I'm just saying, in. you didn't expect that connection, did you? I didn't expect that connection. However, as we all kind of surmised at this point, this was just Devin Sawa having a little premonition of the plane exploding. And he like, then loses his shit. And gets several students in his class, including the hot teacher, kicked off the plane. Which, I'm just, look man, it's called an anxiety attack. It's not yeah. a premonition. Every time I get on a plane, I have that exact feeling. I'm like, we're all going to fucking die immediately. But like, could happen. you imagine being on a plane and you have a dream that is so vivid in the actual plane you're in with that outcome? I would want to get off the plane. I would too. get off the plane. If I saw someone else freaking about that, I would get off that fucking plane, like no questions asked. And and then when that plane exploded, I would not be getting back on mm -hmm. ever again for any reason ever. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I would tell death to suck a fuck because I'm not getting on that plane. Mm -mm. Yeah. All his classmates are like, you got us kicked off. No, you're welcome. I would be saying thank you. Thank you. And I will say Sean William Scott kicked off of that plane because he was late because he was taking a massive shit. Ooh, I love it. I love it. This is canon now. Stifler mm -hmm. is just taking huge dumps. Mm. Luckily for them, Sawa's premonition was correct, and a whole slew of high school kids get exploded in midair. Whoop! Devin Sawa and crew are now being interviewed by the FBI because apparently it's a big no-no to say a plane is going to explode, and then that plane actually exploding and part of me in this moment was like i know how this movie ends but also is devin sawa a domestic terrorist could be <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't be shocked i also i i didn't think about the fact that this was filmed pre 9 11 and i would love to see what this movie would look like post 9 11 well i think that they first of all would choose a different death but i i bet you one of or more of these sequels did come out well no no what I, I let me clarify this movie where the the crash like the thing is the plane crash mm. post 9 11 that's what i want to see what changes about this you know what i mean well i feel like the plane wouldn't have taken off for like i don't know probably a couple much days more investigation yeah they yeah just definitely that flight and they're like, sorry, out. guys, you're getting on another plane or you're not. No one's leaving this fucking airport. No right. one's leaving at all, period. We're shutting down JFK. You live here now. Or whatever the fuck this airport is. I only know two airports, three airports names. I know JFK. I know Hartsfield. I know LAX. Mm. 
I couldn't the, name another this, airport. This seemed more like LaGuardia to me. <laughs> where is that? That's in New York. That's the okay. Then that one. might be where this is. Well, yeah, okay. They well, were there's from New York. There are no people of color at all in this entire movie, so it definitely is not Queens. Candyman. Oh shit! You're right. Okay, never mind. I take that back. Just, just take it back. Bring it back. Yeah, bring it bring back. back. Bring it. I'm gonna bring have to cut that whole thing out. Also, Sala, I think Devin Sawa is a person of color. Sawa explains that he got this weird feeling, and the FBI is like, "Yeah, cool story, bro." And then you can you can go home now. That was it. Well, and they weren't it's even like, kicked oh, fucking off the plane. Explode. They were kicked off the plane because of the fight. They didn't even care that he was saying that stuff while he was still on the plane. They just kicked him off because of the fighting. So they were just like, "Yeah, you can talk about blowing up this plane and stay on it." That's true, actually. Yeah. Just just him and old shithead Carter. Mm-hmm. Just got themselves kicked off. Yeah. Later that night, the news reports say that everyone on the flight has died. Mm. We cut to 39 days later. Why 39 days? Why does it take 39 days to do a memorial? Do you know why? <laughs> it's because they had to get a really cool bird statue made for this memorial. They were like, that, we can't a do point. a memorial until we get this really cool bird statue made. And there was some pipeline issues. Some stock was backed up. It took time. They're like, I, I don't, I never realized that there was like a, a shortage of bronze. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the year- huge bronze shortages. Yeah. Mr. Steve Bronze was like, guys, the bronze pipeline shut down. We yep. all have to just follow his, his stead. Mm-hmm. So at the memorial, though, we do see that the FBI agents from before are lingering off in the distance. Sawa and one of the other students, the shithead Carter, the one that got in the fight, they get into another scuffle. And Carter says, and I quote, I'm never going to die. I'm never going to die. I'm never going to die. Then Stifler walks up and is like, yo, I got my driver's license. And I did really shitty on it, but I also passed. And then the driving instructor told me I was going to die at a very young age. This moment is so not this movie. Like, he is in a completely different movie, this whole movie, and I really enjoy it. And it's the best part of the movie. Sean William Scott, thank you for your performance in this film. Yeah, it, it it injected a levity that this movie desperately needed. It's I really think that like when he was filming this movie, he was like, "Yes, this is Final Destination or American Pi- American Pie presents Final Destination," <laughs> which is yes. the way he fucking approached every scene he's in. And to your point, Devin, yes, he brings a levity here. It also, who the fuck tells anyone that they're gonna die at a very young age, right? Because of the bad driving. He's taking yeah. his tests and he's a bad driver. And the guy is like, you're going to die at a very young age. Just but you that's are like, an idiot. This is this still feels like pre 9-11. Like, that's not something you tell anyone after 9-11 happened. Like, you can't say that anymore. You're going to die, little boy. <laughs> Any movie made before September 11th, 20, 2001. Mm-hmm. You, you, it, the world is a different place now. The world is a fucking different place. After the memorial, Devin Sawa's buddy is hanging out in his bathroom. Apparently, wherever they live, it's super windy because everything's just blowing open and close. So the friend takes a shit. And then water starts leaking everywhere, which also the friend takes another shit. We've seen this dude shit twice now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Twice now. Water's leaking everywhere. He tries to pluck some nose hairs. 
Then, then he tries to plug in a really loosely wired radio. And the whole time we're all thinking, yeah, this dude, he's about to die. But then we cut to Devin Sawa. But he's, you know, 39 days later, he's not too uh, too torn up to not jerk one off because he picks up a penthouse magazine and is about to do a little rub-a-dub-dug on his little tub, and tub, like, tub you know? <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. But, like, the the I, I'm so obsessed with the way this happens where, like, the the wind blows this newspaper into the fan and but and so he's like oh fuck it so he then turns grabs the penthouse and like it's like what how, how did this like how do we get from your brooding after the death of all your people to i'm just gonna wax my porpoise he's a teenage boy patrick yeah no i guess single-minded i you guess know, it releases a lot of endorphins it's good for the healing journey Sure. I heard it also apparently if you eat your own cum, it'll cure a cold. <laughs> oh, fucking God. You heard or you or you is that how you got proof. over COVID, Cayman? <laughs> I've had COVID three times now, guys. So. That's not an answer to her question. <laughs> well, that porno mag doesn't survive very long because an owl shows up. He throws the magazine at the owl. Also, what the fuck is happening? The magazine hits a window, bounces back. Hits an open fan, blows up. However, a scrap of paper lands in his lap saying, Todd. Hint, hint, hint. It's his best bud, the one that's taking shits the whole time. His name's Todd. And it's, it's worth noting in this part of the movie, it's spelled T-O-D. You know, normally it's spelled T-O-D-D, double D, mm-hmm. double mm-hmm. D Todd. But it's actually on purpose because apparently... T-O-D in German means death. <gasps> Whoa. How about that? Whole movie's full of What? Easter egg. How about that? That's is Dr. Tal 900 Jahrhundert. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know what you just <laughs> said. That is so totally the 1990s. No. Back with Todd. Or 1900s. He slips over some spilled shampoo in the shower. Then he gets a random clothesline caught around his neck. And he chokes to death. Also, the water in the bathroom he slipped on, it rescinds back into the toilet, and some spooky shit is happening, guys. Because it's evil. The water's evil. The wind is evil. Let's talk about our experience of this scene. Yeah. I want to know first, by, you know, account, I guess not a show of hands, but uh, how many people in this room have ever had a clothesline in their shower? Like Not one me. that pulls out through the wall. Like I've seen that in hotels and stuff, but I've never okay. seen that in a home. So actually, there's a really good reason for that. Post 9-11, we all took our clothes <laughs> down. We were uh, like, guys, never forget to take your clothes down. Uh, that I was not expecting that to be a 9-11 joke. <laughs> that really tickled me. Uh, but no, no, no. Okay, so so here's the thing. We're watching this movie. I'm taking notes. I'm being a good boy for this podcast that I've been asked to be a part of. I'm sorry. No, 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 You specifically asked for us to do this movie. Don't fucking turn this back on me. I'm sorry this episode's gone off rails. That's not my fault. Cayman, we're watching this movie. And I'm taking my notes like a good little boy because you're making me watch this movie. And I like furiously, I pause. I'm like, well, hold on. We got to go back. Back up, back up, back up. Because when he's you know, choking, slipping, sliding. slipping, slipping and sliding in the bathtub. I swear to God, 
I, I should have brought a screenshot. I swear to God, it looked like his feet became his hands. <laughs> like they're just kind of like wiggling in the background like behind you, you, you where kinda... his feet would be, and his feet are raised, so it does look like his feet are coming out of his legs. But I mean, his hands. His hands are coming out of his legs. We went frame by frame. We figured it out. It actually is his hands. They're like behind his butt. But for a moment there, I really thought that there was like a consistency error and someone like had to put their hands like through his pants to make it look like feet for some reason. Hear me out. I think that's a bold move. A smart move. If you prop yourself up, you release the tension on what's choking you. And then once you get enough leverage, then you can try to get a little loose, a little slack there. You can start mm -hmm. up. Well, I like that idea. Well, sure. But still, I'm confused about if his hands are going behind him, almost touching the shower floor, then your feet certainly, your legs are certainly long enough. We just didn't really, it's hard to sort of buy that he couldn't have gotten his feet up under him. And Plus there's a whole nother ledge he could have been putting his hands on. That's not the floor of the bathtub. What if, what if Todd was actually going to try out for Cirque du Soleil and he's just really, really flexible? You know, you know I, here's the thing though. No, go ahead, Devin. I was just going to say that's a really good point, and I hadn't thought of that, and I want to apologize. Well, well, it, you you can take back your apology because Cirque du Soleil famously started post 9-11. <laughs> oh, God. God damn it. It was it was a response to the tragedy of 9-11. Also, Those while we're, while we're pausing, I know this is, a, a, this is an audio-only podcast, but I'm showing video of the Willard poster. My dad took it from the basement up into the kitchen so it would have proper light to take a picture of it. Wow. Love that so much. Chris is such a good guy. Dedication to the pod. Yeah, dedication. true dedication to the pod. And he Thank you, Chris. So I do want to point out there is another little bit of foreshadowing that happens earlier in the movie. During the scene in which uh, they're trying to switch seats because this has caused the whole debacle. There's a moment early on mm. where they tried to switch seats on the plane. And this will come back up later, so just remember this. When he's doing the whole thing, Todd fakes like he's hanging himself because he's like upset and like fake hangs himself. Then guess what? He hangs and dies. Oh, wow. Movie okay. is just chock full of fucking foreshadowing. Now, because Todd sees this little slip of paper for some reason, he goes, oh, shit, I need to go check on Todd. And he immediately shows up. And guess what? Todd's dead. Dead. Ambulance is there. Also, Todd's parents are outside, and they're all like, this is your fault. You're a piece of shit. Why? I don't fucking know why. But guess what? He's a piece of shit. Everyone thinks Todd killed himself. Also, guess who else is there? The FBI. The FBI is there, guys. Why? No fucking idea. You know who else is there? Clear River. The Claire. spooky girl. The spooky girl. She's there. Sawa gets upset, fucking dips. Takes off running. The next morning. Saw well, heads time over. Out, time out, time out, time out, time out. Okay. Time out. I'm sorry. I should have jumped in. The audacity, the audacity of Todd's parents to blame Devin Sawa for their son killing himself. Like, dog, Devin Sawa just saved your kid's life 39 days ago. So, would yeah, you rather have him son. burned in a plane? Would Ooh. you rather, would that, is that what you wanted for your son? I'm just saying, it's unfair for them to blame this on, on Mr. Saul. I agree. I agree. I think it is unfair of them to do that. So the next morning, Sala heads over to the Creeper Girl's house, Clear River. Her name's Clear River, guys. Clear. Her name's Clear. She's apparently a metal worker as well. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck is this? Regardless, she's spooky, and the two of them are going to team up to do either A, fuck, B, 
figure out what's happening, or C, fuck and also figure out what's happening. Later that night, Sawa and Clear River break into the morgue. What is happening? And it looks like she's done this multiple times before. She knows exactly how to get in. She opens a window on the ceiling of the, like, room where you have the services. Like, this is not her first time breaking into this morgue. She's seasoned. That's, yeah, I didn't think about that, but you are correct. There's a lot of questions here. They get into the morgue, and upon finding Todd's body, they're greeted by another Todd. Candyman himself, Tony motherfucking Todd. Let's go. I love Tony Todd so much. He's just, I've met him. He's such a sweet You met person. Tony Todd. Yeah, I've met Tony Todd a couple times. He's such Anthony a sweet Todd. person. And good old Anthony Todd. Just a sweet, sweet man. With two Ds. Uh, sweet, sweet man, because he's the Candyman. And Candyman informs him that this was not a suicide. That it was an accident. And also that they cheated death. And now death is coming to kill each of them. That is what us in the industry like to call an exposition dump. Mm. Or in this case, the entire plot of the film being explained without justification whatsoever. There's been a lot of dumps in this movie, including (laughs) an exposition dump. Uh, Did you know, Cayman, that the story was originally going to be uh, the concept for an episode of The (gasps) X-Files? which was inspired by Soul Survivor. In this movie, a woman who was the sole survivor of a plane crash starts to be haunted by dead people that death uses temporarily as vessels trying to kill her to correct its plan and killing everyone who suspects about it. How about that? It's always, it, always been, comes, it always comes back to the X-Files, guys. Could have had Mulder and Scully on the case. Scully oh, and Mully? Which one is it? I, I was right the first time. Yes. Mulder yes. and Scully. Yes. Mulder and Scully. <laughs> yep. Mulder and Mully. Good old, good old them peoples. The next day, Clear and Sawa exposition dump even more. And they both realize they're fucked since they were supposed to die on the plane, but they can still cheat death if they can find the patterns. Then, a Nine Inch Nail song plays Into the Void, to be exact, only because it literally has the words Final Destination in the song. This is the 2000s, guys. They said the thing, they said the thing, they said the thing. This is poetic cinema. Mm -hmm. Also, roll credits again. Roll credits again. This is that's also how you should end a fucking movie. Is this right here? Yeah. All right. Now it's in this moment. Shithead Carter sees them. They're sitting outside of a coffee shop. He sees he's driving down the road. He sees him. He's like, you know what? I gotta get out of the car. I gotta beat the fuck out of Devin Sawa. Why? Still have no clue why. First, he hits Sean William Scott with his car. Yes. True. He literally causes a wreck in which Stifler almost dies. And we're all like, oh, here it is. Here's the moment. No, Stifler's still alive. But it is car-related, so, you know, Mm. we're getting there. Now, Carter and Sawa argue over who's cooler or something. I really don't know. And then Carter's girlfriend gets mad and is like, I won't let this be the most important thing to happen in my life. And then she's immediately hit by a speeding Greyhound bus and blows up. Iconic. Yeah. Shout out to this death. If I had more... Uh, skills of researching. I wanted to figure out, like, was this like the bus getting hit by a bus death that like made getting hit by a bus iconic, or was getting hit by a bus already iconic because of the concept of getting hit by a bus? You know what I mean? Well, like, am I am I being clear here? Okay, so pre nine eleven, clear. Am I being clear here? Pre nine eleven, this was actually the number one cause of deaths in the U.S. was getting hit by buses. But I need a minute. 
to break this scene down because there are some major logistical issues here. Interesting. Okay. The coffee shop they're hanging out at is a three-way stop. Okay. The bus that hits Carter's girlfriend is going at least 75 miles an hour in the direction of the dead end portion of a three-way stop. Meaning (laughs) this bus either just literally materialized from thin air and then explodes her ass in the mist, or it was going to take its entire group of passengers directly into City Hall. I, I, I know what happened here. This movie is <laughs> no, in the don't. Speed universe. Oh, That my is God. the bus from Speed. Well, okay. Well, no, I disagree with that. I disagree with that because this bus is going 75. Oh, yeah. What was and the, the bus from Speed, to... can only it has to go just above 55. You're right. And also, it's a three-way stop. That bus would have just driven straight into to fucking City Hall. And so I think, ultimately, at the end of the day, I think this was a good thing. Because the only thing that makes sense to me, this was another terrorist attack. Mm. Someone hijacked a bus, was going to drive it into City Hall. So her death prevents the bus from doing that, meaning less people die. The but now do all those passengers on the bus, did they cheat death and now they're going to be Final Destination? That's actually going to be the plot of Final Destination 6. We just uncovered the truth here. I mean, in in the year 2022, franchises love to be able to connect to the originals. So like that, we could actually be onto something here. I just, I just, I, I literally watched this scene three times. I fast forward back so far to be able to, I literally did a diagram where I was like placing all of the things to figure out where, and I was like, there's there's no, this is a three-way stop. This is Main Street. You, you underestimate the power of death when the pattern's been broken. Also, in this particular situation, I get, I guess that it's good for movies, but like death could just be like, you have a heart attack, you have a heart attack, you have a heart attack, and then this is all sorted. Just everyone's tripping attack. on you some fucking fentanyl-laced cocaine. Attack. As we've already addressed, these kids love their cocaine. Yep. It's all filled with fentanyl. So there we go. We just problem solved. Death doesn't need to do these elaborate pranks. You don't have to, girl, you don't have to try so hard. Yeah. Just let it happen. Who knew Death was was such a tryhard? You know what I mean? Exactly. I kind of stumbled through that. Being a dramatic bitch. Later on, Clear calls Sawa and he ignores her. At the same time, the news reports that the plane had a mechanical malfunction and it essentially clears Sawa's name. Now, they might have, but I definitely think he's still a terrorist. Maybe not then, but definitely somewhere else in the future, Devin Sawa's going to blow up a building. Correct. Did you know, Cayman, that a lot of this uh, footage that they show of the plane crash was real footage? This was not staged. Uh, it's it's actual footage from the July 1996 explosion and crash of TWA Flight 800 off East Moriches, Long Island, New York. That is dark. That is dark as fuck. Okay, so apparently the story goes that Ro- uh, Roger Ebert was doing the review of the film, and he's like, yeah, I really like it. I think it's a really interesting concept, but like, this is in poor taste. This is in really bad poor taste. Like, a lot of people fucking died. This is not good. And then 9-11 happened. And we forgot about it. And then we forgot about it. I yeah. am shocked by mm. that. That is horrifying. I only four if, years later. Only four years later. I wonder if that plane crash is part of like the idea behind this movie, potentially. 
Yeah, very well could be. Very well could be. Yeah. Now Devin Sawa does some conspiracy theory shit and determines that the hot teacher is next in line to meet Death's cold embrace. Sawa goes to her house and she sees him out front acting like a real suspicious dude, obviously because he's a terrorist. And she calls. Who does she call? She doesn't call the police. She calls the FBI. She just has the FBI's number on these. The the FBI's all over this fucking town. Like, also, he's not doing himself any favors. Like, he's literally, he's like checking her tires, being like, is her brake lines cut? Like, dude, that is some serial killer shit. FBI shows up. Obviously, they arrest him. And then they're like, we're not going to make sure that you're good or safe or anything. Just like we didn't do with the plane. You're fine. You're good. Terrible decision because. At the FBI office, Devin Sawa then explains his theory that death is killing everyone and that hot teacher is next. Back at hot teacher's house, she puts on a John Denver record, which is literally the worst fucking thing you could ever and, do. And that's not the first John Denver. We we skipped over uh, in the beginning when Devin Sawa was in the bathroom taking a shit next to a shit bro, John mm. Denver playing on the radio. And that's one of the things he's like, wait a second. John Denver, he died in a plane. I'm about to get on a plane. Terrible. You know, fun story, though. My uncle, he runs a music studio up in North Georgia. And uh, his band that he was in was called the Foxfire Boys. The reason being, they starred as a backup band for John Denver in his movie, The Foxfire Boys. Wow, John. Yeah, I have a connection with John Denver, who also died in a plane. Who's up uh, next? Who else has a, a plane crash victim story? Anyone know Ric Flair? I I do have a plane crash victim story actually, but I I'm I probably I'll tell it off air because it's really dark actually. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean the people that are in it are dead. Oh, but, okay, uh, okay. So like they're not going to be offended by it because they're dead. That's but fair. It was something that we haven't addressed. The FBI agent. Mm-hmm. That was all real, by the way. Agent Shrek. <laughs> when did the movie Shrek come out? Um, Post 9-11. Shrek? Actually, came no, out I think Shrek came later. out. One year later. Whoa, this my was pre Shrek. Wait, what what month did it come out? Uh Please let's see. This movie me. came out um April twenty second, two thousand one. So it's still oh, a okay. so it is it, so Shrek is a pre nine eleven movie, but it's a post final destination movie. Do we think that Shrek caused nine eleven? unequivocally we do think that we're gonna get taken off no i was gonna say we're gonna get taken off of spotify for this but joe rogan's still there so yeah if he's got a podcast yeah now hot teacher she fills up a tea kettle and then lights her gas burner we're getting there guys suspense is building she then fills up a coffee mug not of tea but of vodka which is a beautiful move and also the vodka then cracks open her mug which is like god damn Vodka leaks all over her 1998 HB desktop computer, which we all know is a ticking time bomb. And as such, it explodes, sending a glass shard into the hot teacher's throat. As she stumbles around her house, the sparks of the computer catch the vodka on fire, which causes a chain reaction of explosions and more fire. Then, finally, she accidentally pulls the knife block on the kitchen counter down, impaling her on the floor... With a kitchen knife. And if this isn't the darkest episode, the Three Stooges, I don't know what else is. Devin, I'm curious. As someone who had never seen this movie before, Mm -hmm. 
What did you think about this death scene? Because it, it is the most absurd of all of them. Um, it was exciting. Every time I thought it was over, there was more. Um, certainly my favorite part was the fire catching the trail of vodka back to her. Yep. Um, yeah, I, uh, I was, I was, I was really, I was really pleased with it. Good. Um, yeah. Because uh, I have a little fun fact for you about this death. It was real. She is dead. Uh, no, the the piece of glass that went into her neck mm-hmm. uh, from the computer, it, it was filmed backwards. They did, <gasps> the, they did the old glass in the neck, pull it out, uh, and and then put it in reverse on the film. Oh, complete, very exciting. Complete practical effects. Not yeah. only was that real, but something else is real too. Sawa runs to her house and finds her bleeding out on the floor, and then the house is on fire. He then takes off running... And the house explodes. Funnily enough, Stifler was riding his bike down the road next to it, and Sawa took off running. So what else was real, Cayman? The exterior of the hot teacher's house was actually built in five days. That whole blow-up scene was a fake house they literally built. Hell Um, yeah. And apparently the residents of this this city or this little town that they filmed the movie in were like, don't blow it up. We actually like it. We like this little cute fake house you guys built, but no, they nuked that motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Which also, like, you just walked out of a house your teacher is dead in. House blows up. Instead of being like, hey guys, I'm going to wait for the cops to show up, Devin Saul was like, fuck this. I'm running out. I'm out. I'm hightailing. And when he's in the house, isn't this the part he's like standing in the blood? He's touching the knife. Oh, he pulls. Does he pull the knife? He does, yeah. Out? He does. Insane. Yeah. Like Which a, big a really dumb dumb. There's a really funny line later in the movie when they're talking about this and Stifler's like, Yeah, man, her blood got caramelized and your footprints were left in it. It's like, what? Does can blood be caramelized? Throw a little sugar in there. Mmm. Mm. Next morning, the FBI are interrogating Clear Rivers, and she says that Saul was ignoring her. She doesn't know where he is. Clear Rivers then confronts Shithead Carter and Stifler and tells them that Devin Sawa, who knows exactly who will die next, so they have to find him. This leads them to Jones Beach State Park. How did she know that he was there? No fucking idea. Never explained. This whole transition from him leaving the house to the three of them meeting up and knowing exactly what's going on. I was like, did we cut a scene here? How, how does everyone know? Um, well, anyway. this might help explain something. This beach scene was originally shot with a romantic subplot between Alex and clear. But what I need came in for you to clarify is Alex Devin Sawa or is Alex a different character? Yeah. Alex is Devin Sawa. Okay. I just refuse to call him by his character's name. Cause that's silly. Well, that's very interesting because we did discuss. Uh, I'm not going to stay jumped ahead. Sorry, sorry to go a little bit. Um, but we did discuss how she, the whole back half of the movie, is acting like the two of them are dating. She like yeah. calls him a little pet name. She's very invested. We're not sure why, but hey, there we go. So yeah, I wonder if maybe they the editing just did not do a good job of getting rid of this subplot and some of the subplot kind of. Because yeah, she calls him babe a few times. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? Yeah. What? Yeah, definitely. Definitely doesn't play. 
Now, she was right, though, and he is indeed on a beach, and they get somewhat mushy, but obviously we've lost this entire romantic subplot. Sala then admits that he knows who obviously is going to die next, and Stifler asks if he'll live long enough to see the Jets win a Super Bowl. And I have to say, sorry, King. No one listening to this episode will live long enough to see that happen. Uh, it's funny that you put that because I also in my notes said, he says, quote, tell me I'm going to see the Jets win a Super Bowl. And I said, honey, no one is ever going to see that again. <laughs> I really feel like that that originally came off as like a threat to the audience to be like, <laughs> you guys are going to die soon. But also, if you don't watch football, you don't realize the Jets are pissed fucking poor. Yeah, and they still are 22 years later. Now, during this whole little little argument, Shithead Carter finds out that he's the next in line to die. And since he's the one driving the car, he just floors it and opts just to kill everyone alongside himself, which, on one hand, selfish. But on the other hand, you're kind of doing everyone a favor. Right? Yeah, respect, honestly. Like, you're like, hey, look, like there's going to be a lot of property damage when everyone <laughs> dies. That's just how this works. Like, we've seen it. There, like, a lot of you know, money is being spent by death to kill people let's just do it like let's just make it a little bit easier here you know maybe that's the financial person in me i don't know but like i kind of like this i kind of like taking it just being like hey let's reduce this let's make it a a few thousand dollars instead of blowing an entire fucking house up four birds one stone exactly caca motherfucker now Sawa sees a reflection of a train in the window just before they pull up to some train tracks Shithead Carter locks them all in while sitting directly on the tracks, and the train begins to approach. He finally lets himself out and resigns himself to being crushed by the train. But then he realizes that that's very stupid. He doesn't want to die, but he can't get the car to start. And also, he gets locked in. So Devin Saw runs over and saves his life right before the train hits. Unfortunately, (laughs) Stifler isn't so lucky. And a piece of shrapnel rips through his skull, chopping his head off right at his mouth line. Un- like an unbelievable death. Also, I don't know if you guys noticed it, but Carter pissed his pants. Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely that. fucking drenched his pants. He had so much urine stored up inside <laughs> of him. Like, it literally, down to his ankles, it's just piss pants. Do you guys remember back in the day when trains were, like, always... A threat in in cinema, <laughs> like they were this used was... as a as a plot device so often. Pre-9/11. When was the last time we saw a movie? <laughs> Truly, when was the last time we saw a movie where like someone's stuck on the train tracks? I mean, this one. Other than this, which was made twenty two years ago. Yeah, you know I, mean? I mean, I feel like there's a lot of movies. I mean, you get Stand by Me. Mm. Stand by Me has that infamous train scene where they're running from the train on the bridge. Mm. Such a great scene. Fried Fast green tomatoes forward. too. Oh, there you go. Do you guys remember that movie where the kid gets leeches on him? Oh, yeah. No. Remember that movie? Okay. <laughs> I, do, I, I do, but I can't remember the name of it. What? Is there more to the plot? Or is he just... Is that no, I just was. Name? I was just pontificating. Hold on. With, with, with Solid now with the knowledge that he can technically save people, the remaining trio devise a plan to stave off their own deaths. Solid being the next in line, barricades himself in Clear River's dad's cabin Now, he has a close call with death, and then he brags about how he's figured it out and how he's rigged the death to be, or rigged the cabin to be death-proof. Now, I do want to point something out here, Patrick. Yeah, go, and then I have something to report. Did you know that this cabin was used in another movie? I didn't know this. 
This is the cabin from Lake Placid. It's where the uh, the two of you look like you don't even know what the fuck I just I said. No lake Placid no well, was the movie about the alligator that was in the lake with Betty White. Uh-uh. Look, Lake Placid to me not familiar. Lake Placid to me means one thing: Olympics. The Olympics when America beat the Soviet Union in the Miracle on Ice. Mm. <laughs> We're back to hockey, baby. Oh my really god! He always finds a way. I'm Here's the thing, though. I'm drenched in sweat, and you're fucking talking about hockey now. You're drenched in something else, uh, and that's why you don't have a cold anymore. Um, the movie with the kid with leeches came in. Is Stand by Me? It's the same movie. Yeah, that's why. That's okay. There we go. I knew my brain was working something. It was working. It's, it was all the cum you ate. It was all the cum I ate. Now Devin Sawa has a revelation that. Because of the seat change, if you remember like 30 minutes ago, I mentioned all of the deaths are now scrambled around and his initial plan was wrong because he's not the next to die. Clear River is. And right at that moment, lightning strikes outside of her house and shit gets real. The FBI finds Sawa and he takes a canoe on the lake in an attempt to make it to clear before death can. Which also, how far away is this cabin from her house? And also, why would you have a cabin that close to your house? That's what I said. She said you would, you would assume that your cabin would be like a vacation home. Like, who's fucking like, hey, guys, I'm going on vacation five minutes down the road to my cabin. <laughs> Across their own yard, basically. Just move to the cabin. The cabin looks nice. Just live there instead of the house with the metalworking shit on You don't on. get it. You've never had a cabin across the lake. And it's death proof. What are they waiting for? That is fair. That, yes. Okay. Why is... Okay. You know what? You're correct. You are correct. Now, outside of Clear's house, a whole slew of things that could kill you start happening. We got a leaky above-ground pool. We, we got a, a, a what looks like a giant fucking antenna for your cable just is flying around everywhere. Easily could kill you. We got a loose electric cable that is, I think inhabited by the spirit of death yep and we have some rickety lattice all of these things nightmare fuel now on his way saw was running through the woods a tree falls over it hits him he hits the ground that should have probably killed him let's probably probably should have killed him but the tree also traps him in a puddle and he starts drowning to death so then my question is like okay so wait hold on is clear not the one that's going to die? Like, who is death trying to kill here? Or is death just like, fuck it, we're at the end of the line, like, this is the last ditch effort, I gotta get I gotta wrap this here. shit up. Yeah, yeah. We, got, yeah, yeah. we got 12 minutes left on the film, <laughs> we gotta wrap it up. Like, just get this done, just get this done. So, either way, guess what? He makes it out, he's able yep. to escape the tree, it's fine. Now, clear, back at her house, everything is blowing up. She makes it somehow into back into the house or being outside the house, which I'm like, why are you doing that? Everything's popping off. It's just fucking insane. Then she's like, you know what? Hey, I'm just going to get in a car. Death is literally trying to kill you. And you're like, getting in a car is a great idea. Yeah. More Americans die every year from obesity than car crashes, I think. That's the, the stat. But also, Americans die a lot from car crashes. So, you know, I don't know where we're going here, but that's a dumb fucking idea. Mm-hmm. Because she's immediately trapped in the car by the garage door unit. 
And then all of a sudden, a can of turpentine, whatever the fuck that is, covers the entire car. Covers the you don't know what car. turpentine is? No, I know what turpentine is. I'm just being an Highly asshole. Highly flammable. Something that can blow things up. I don't know. It's probably used. You you put it on your your you put it on your baseball bat if you're a baseball player, <laughs> so you get all sticky. Is that what? I don't know. Who gives no, it's shit? for paint. It's paint thinner, basically. Okay, who the fuck wants that? Get out of here, paint thinner. Turpentine's a better name. Go fuck. Paint thinner. Go home. Get fucked. Paint I thinner. Have something that'll fuck. get your bat all sticky. Ooh. Let's move on. Devin with the cummies. Devin with the cummies. Name of the episode. Devin is going to be. It's going to be final destination. Uh, Cola. Devin with the cummies. Uh, so Sawa shows up just in enough time to save Clear before being blown up by the car. Six months later, Carter, Clear, and Devin Sawa, who is still alive, they are exiting a plane. In Paris. Which Am I the only one that got whiplash from that time jump? Like, no. out of nowhere, six months? Good news. Devin saw what changed his hairstyle. Sure. <laughs> so. And she, uh, clear, dyed her hair. Yep. True. Different color. Also, what we talked about, why, if if all of your classmates died on the way to Paris, um, six months later, would I be super eager to run to Paris? No, I don't think I would maybe ever go to Paris. Just no, not really. That. Yeah. What I'm the into. dream of, of Paris is off the table at that point. So they're all sitting outside of this French cafe and they're reminiscing on their lost friends and how they beat death. They then bicker back and forth about why Saul was still alive because technically he didn't beat death. Though I do want to point out, I definitely think he did technically die because when the paramedics show up, they're like, got no heartbeat. We got no heartbeat. So like in theory, he technically died. So he's, I don't, you know, it's fine. Then shit starts to get real again for like the 400th time in this movie. Things are blowing up and clear hat clear. Now clear has a premonition and she yells at Sawa. And he, he turns around and he get he misses getting hit by another bus. And then something else happens, like a big old sign falls down. The reason it starts is there's a, a street musician singing a John Denver song in French. Oh, Jesus Christ. And he recognizes the tune. He's like, Jean Denver. Jean Denver. Because he's in, in France. You see. Fair, fair. Well, this all starts to happen and... Carter ends up having to save him from a marquee that has now fallen over. <laughs> and, well, unfortunately, death did indeed skip Sawa, and it went back to Carter, who in that moment, a massive falling marquee swings back behind him and screen cuts to black. Roll credits. And that is how our movie ends, guys. We made it. So uh, I think this, the nature of this film came, and I want to bring in a new segment. I know, okay. you know, the movie's over. We're going to save it. We're going to can it. But there have been some notable deaths. And if, you know, if we keep doing more Final Destination movies, I think we have to have a definitive ranking of the deaths in the final de uh, destination. I almost said Final Fantasy, which she said earlier on the phone. <laughs> the Final Destination deaths. Okay. I think the way we should do this is just start with the first death and then the second death and say better or worse than the first. And then once there's a third one, like where does it fall? And just kind of go one at a time. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. I like it. So the first one being Todd in the shower. 
mm-hmm. which we all could have gotten out of. Probably going to yeah. be last on the list. Yeah, not liking it. Um, after that is the bus. Terry Easily. with the bus. Easily above. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Easily above. After that is the hot teacher. Mm. With the mm-hmm. with okay. that. Let me, which this is where it starts to get interesting. Let me let me just throw it out here. This is the most uh, I feel like this is well, no, this is the most elaborate death in the entire film. Yeah. I like it. Because I, yeah, in the later films, like th- this is what we get more of is more of these like setups where you think one thing's gonna happen and then you end up getting a like some weird ass conclusion. So like I honestly I put this as my number one going in to the next death. Yeah, I, this is top of the list for me. Devin, what about you? Uh it's gonna stay at number one for me. I know. Okay. Yeah. 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 Rose. Oh yeah. I mean iconic great so we're we can lock that in at number one yeah okay so right now it's miss luton terry todd uh after terry or after miss luton is sean william scott getting his head half decapitated do we think above or below terry with the bus crash i think it's above i think it's more fun because the setup is more fun sure because he doesn't just get killed by a bus the the car gets hit obviously by the train and so it's just a piece of shrapnel. And then there's this moment where everyone's like super excited. Like we saved Carter. Sure. And then it's, and also you don't see all you see, like you do technically see her get hit by the bus, but it's very so quick, but it like, and then the blood splats on everyone. But like in this scene, like his head just literally gets lopped off and it sure. is a long cut on this head, just like flopping right off. It almost reminded me of the opening of, uh, ghost ship do you guys remember that oh, one? Yeah. The, the, oh, the cord gabriel Byrne. oh my god such an awesome scene that's honestly yeah. the only part of that movie that's worth seeing you just sure. watch that opening and then turn the rest <laughs> of that fucking movie off trash so cayman has uh sean william scott's death at number two devin where what are you thinking it's my number two and it's gonna stay there yeah okay number devin's number two rose what about you um per, i i am i love them both i think they're both artful Mm. uh i love the shock value of terry and the bus i love that right before she says that like she's like if you're gonna do that you can just drop fucking dead and then she's immediately hit by a bus i think Mm. it's very tight it's shocking it's um yeah i but i will say obviously the sean william scott is more fruitful you get more you get more of that um you see that piece of shrapnel shaking and you're like what's it gonna do who's it gonna come for what are we Mm -hmm. gonna see and then it shows you the worst thing that you could have seen yeah so originally i had terry as number two but we are an even number and came in your explanation with the like maybe we thought it was gonna be okay i'm gonna give it to you so i'm gonna put my vote for the sean william scott death going above terry okay so that we don't have a tie so right now it's mrs luton uh, Sean Williams got Terry Todd. So the final death of the movie is Carter with the marquee sign. I'm going to start us off for me. This is a pretty low one. This is, yeah. I would put this second to last above mm. Todd personally. You know, I'm torn on it because we don't actually see him die. Obviously we know he's, he's dead like with the way that it is, but like, sure. and I appreciate that they cut there. That's like a pretty cool way to do it. Sure. But like at the same time, there's no on-screen death. We at least got to see everyone else die. So, Good point. but I think in terms of elaborate death scheme, I do agree with you. I do think this still goes above Todd. Okay. So we got two above Todd and below Terry. 
Devin? Interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, I thought this was going to be number three for me just because I love I love a cut to black at the end of the movie. Sure. I really do. Um, but I'm thinking about I'm thinking about Todd in the shower. Um, that was just, you know, that was my first final destination kill. Hmm. And so it's just like really special to me. Um, so I, I actually think I'm, I'm going to give it to Todd okay. as number three. Yeah. Um, so Carter, that, that would Carter make Todd. That. That would pick, uh, make Todd number four because we have Terry at three. Oh, right interesting. So yeah, basically it's it's choosing with Carter is he is he last or second to last or or above the bus. For me, it's above the bus, but okay. I respect group decisions. So. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Uh, so Rose? Rose, did you Rose? Yeah. Um, for me, um, definitely putting the building sign above the shower okay um you know i appreciate the shower for what it is it really eased us into the world in a way that was like here's death here's what death does it creates chaos and everything like that but there's just something i don't know cheeky about the sign swinging and missing sawa and then coming back down and like you know it's gonna come back down and he's gloating and as the viewer it's very obvious what's about to happen but it just, you know, slams down and obviously fades black. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a, a nice way to wrap it up. Mm. All of that. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Well, speaking of wrap it up, let's bring it into our final thoughts where we ask the question, save it or can it? Would you save this film or would you can this film? So I'm going to start with you, Patrick, like we always do. Final Destination. Would you save it or would you can it? This is one of the easiest saves I've ever done on this podcast. I think this is a special movie. I think it started it started uh, an entire generation of films. It's it it is an important piece of cinema uh, that I think if you've never seen it, it's a must watch. All right, love to hear it. Now, Rose, how about you as the quintessential expert on Final Destination? You know, 22 years, and it's still, um, you know, an adventure to watch. Mm. Still find little Easter eggs, little foreshadowing pieces you never saw before when you're rewatching. And, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't go too long. Like, it's not too long of a movie. It really, like, gets, gets where it needs to get. And then it's like, and the end, bye. And I appreciate that succinctness, and I'm saving it. All right. Saving it from Rose. Now, Devin, you lost your virginity to Final Destination. Or, just, sorry, let me rephrase <laughs> that. You lost your Final Destination virginity. You're still sticky, as we've already covered. You're still <clears throat> sticky from it. Yeah, <clears throat> scattered, so let, smothered, and covered. Yeah. Let us know. <laughs> Final Destination, would you save it? Or would you can it? Save it, 100%. Um, I had a great time. It's nostalgic. Um, which is my, even though I don't typically go for spooky, scary, light horror, um, it's not usually my first choice. Nostalgic horror, really love 
especially nostalgic high school horror, you know, mm. I have to say as, um, as someone who played an old high schooler or a high schooler as an older actor, you know, I really got to stand up for these folks. Yeah. Um, they have a right to make a living just like anybody else, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, as Rose mentioned, it's a night, a tight, like 98 or something like that. So uh, yeah, gotta love that. You know, after you said that, I feel like I'm eating my words. Um, but I'm glad to hear that you're saving this film because I too am going to save Final Destination. Now, why? while I don't think that this is the strongest film in the series, um, I do still think that this is a really important film to watch because it did create pretty much like its own genre of like deaths coming back for you. And has kind of spurned off like this weird set of movies. I mean, it's got sequels for days and we'll be covering those as well, which I'm very excited about. So we'll be doing those in the future. So come back on and catch us when we do that. Um, Can I ask a quick question? Yeah, of course. Um, As someone who has not seen the rest of these films, can I ask each of you what you think the strongest movie in, in the series is? I th- for me, I think Final Destination 2 is where like it hits. Okay. Like it definitely hits at Final Destination 2, but I do think Final Destination 3 is is still very good. I don't remember if I've seen 3. I know for certain I've seen 2, and I do think 2 is better than 1. Um, but I, I can't remember if I've seen 3. I've definitely not seen past 3. <laughs> okay. Well, you're in for it because we've got presumably four more films we got to cover. <laughs> Rose. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly with Cayman. The second one, as he mentioned at the beginning, is honestly probably a little more iconic in pop culture from a lot of the deaths. They did go a lot more creatively, I guess, and and just like extreme. The deaths got a lot more extreme. And I think uh, I thought it was a really good um, way to improve on what they had done in the first one. Well, guys, speaking of such, we're coming to the end of the show. And so if you've enjoyed it, please rate, review, share the hell of it with your friends, loved ones, and worst of enemies. Honestly, word of mouth is key here, and we aren't beggars. Also, fuck Keith. If you're interested in video games, check us out on our sister podcast, The Spotlight Games Podcast, and all your favorite streaming services. We also have a YouTube channel, so don't be a heathen. Watch this banter about video games there as well. And also... We are streaming live on Twitch every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, so come check it out. Now, Devin, I'm going to start with you. Where can they find you? What can they go see you in? What you what you got going on, girl? Um, uh, DevinHales.jpg on Instagram. Uh, Hales underscore Devin on Twitter. Check out Teenage Bounty Hunters on Netflix. Um, check out IMDb for the rest of the res mm. um yeah happy to be here thanks thanks for having me y'all yeah absolutely now patrick where can they find you uh twitter at patrick schwag onlyfans.com slash you have to find that <laughs> oh rose where can they find you i don't post a lot but i am rose before hose on twitter beautiful and you can find me at kid cayman you can find our sister podcast at Spot Game Spot on Twitter and Spot Game Podcast on Instagram. And you can find Save Trash Cinema on all socials at that exact name. Remember, fight big box office. Save Trash Cinema.
I'll see you soon. Just gotta go have a sip of cum.